Happy Father's Day. And, uh, you know, I, I just think, you know, fathers are really amazing people. And we, uh, we've all, we all have a dad if they were involved in our lives or not. But um, I'm thankful that I, have a, I had a father, a stepfather. Actually, my stepfather turned 80 yesterday and celebrated his, uh, his birthday. And then Pastor Jacob has been my spiritual father for 36 years. And I had Pastor Jim LaFoon, uh, Pastor Cletty, and many others. And we have younger pastors that, that are under me, that I'm their spiritual dad, like Pastor Josh and Pastor Zach and Pastor Jamie. And I'll just tell you, all those guys just got warrior hearts. Amen? Amen. And uh, it's an honor to do life uh, with mighty men and great fathers. And I don't know if you know anything about the history of Father's Day, but I'll just give you a little bit of background where Father's Day came out of and what happened in 1909 in Spokane, Washington. Actually, great things come out of Washington State. My wife come, is from Washington. And, uh, and so a man by the name, uh, a woman by the name of Miss Dodd was in service. She was listening to a Mother's Day sermon, and she just began to go, wait a minute. Here we are talking about moms. What about Father's Day? There's nothing. No one celebrates a Father's Day. So she went to the mayor of Spokane, and he, he said, you know, we're going to make it official day. And then the state of Washington did it. And then in 1972, Richard Nixon, who was president, gave the first official day committed to the third, third Sunday of every June would be committed to Father's Day. So that's the history of Father's Day. Aren't you glad I just did that for you? But anyway, but, you know, the, the thing is, I just want to do fathers. Listen to me. I want to talk to you men. I want to challenge. This is not just a challenge to fathers, but this is a challenge to every wife that's prayed for their husband. It's a challenge to every man that wants to be a a godly father. It's a challenge to us in what what you believe in God for. So fathers, we need you. You know, 90% of men believe in God, but only one out of six men go to church. 70% of boys will abandon church when they graduate high school. 40% of kids today... In America, will grow up without a father involvement in their life. That's why when we did Manfest and we had single moms, uh, let's give it up for the single moms in the house. Because we just, we know that we appreciate all they do, but they cry out, just can there be a man that get involved in my child's life that I can trust? And you know, when we did Manfest and we went out shooting shotguns and fishing and eating meat till we rubbed our belly. Come on, man, you know what I'm talking about. We had a great time, but we had guys there that are young men that are being raised by single moms that were there with us, and they just had a great time. And that's what it's all about, being an example. I found out this. If a, if a kid, if a teenage child or a teenage, teenager gets saved and give their life to the Lord, only 3.5% of their family will follow their example and give their life to the Lord. If a mother gets saved, only 17.5% of the entire family will serve the Lord and get saved and live for God. But they found out this, that if dads get saved, think about this, 93% chance that the whole family is going to get saved. Yeah. That, I mean, listen, this is the power in your life, man. And see, uh, let me just say, why are we so passionate here at OSC for men? Because I believe this, if you transform a man, you transform a family. If you transform a family, you transform a, commu- uh, a community. If you transform a community, you transform a society. First Corinthians says that be watchful, stand firm in your faith, act like men. That's, that's where I get the text from my message this morning. Act like men. 
And see, be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. First point I want to make is this. Men, you're not to act like women. Just not act. Our society has feminized and marginalized your role. Come on. They just have. Let, can I, let me just say this. Men don't make good women. They just don't. You see, men are called by God to lead, to fight, and to protect. Come on. You're here to lead. Not, like, not let your wife tell you what to lead to do. You're here to lead. She can help you. She can encourage you. She's God's gift to you. She's your helpmate. That's God's kind way of saying, you need help, man. And see, I, I believe this, and you're to fight. What does that mean? That means you punch somebody. That means that you fight for your family. You fight for, you fight for there, there'd be safety and security and, and success in your family with your marriage, with your wife and with your children. You know, I believe this. And also you're to protect. The second thing is don't act. You know what? You're not to act like boys. You know, 40%, 48% of men between 18 and 13 play video games for three hours. The average game buyer for video games is 37 years old. There's nothing wrong with being a boy, so long as you're a boy. But there's a lot wrong with being a boy when you're supposed to be a man. You see, boys are born. I like what John Elridge said. Boys are born, but men are made. It takes a man to make a man. That's why fathers are so important. A boy has, must have a father in their life to, in, 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 to show them how to fix a bike. To show them how to cast a rod and reel. To call a girl. To land the job. And all the many things a boy will encounter to become a man. The greatest way you learn about manhood is from the greatest man that ever lived. And his name was Jesus. That's what I want to talk about. This morning and how to act like a man. These are just four principles that I believe that if you apply these to your life, that God can take you in far places. Because when you look at our society, look at me. I want to tell you something. When you look at our society, especially even in church, why don't men go to church? Why do less men go? You know why? Because they feel like wimpy men go to church. It's like, well, I don't want to be like a bunch of women. It reminds me of my, my, my Aunt May, Maybelle. Making me do this, making me do this. My mama making me go. My daddy never went. And, and, and that's true in the sad part. And sometimes men come to churches in America and they go, I sure don't want to be like that. But the one thing that we desire here more than anything in our Savior's church, and, and all you women know that, that are here this morning, all you men know, we want to build strong men. Why? Because strong men make strong marriages, strong kids, and know how to live in a society and stand strong against the winds that blow its way. Amen? Amen. So the first thing that we should be is we should be watchful. First Peter says that be sober-minded. Be watchful. You're, you're your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, sinking someone to make, he may devour. You don't have to be watchful something unless, you, and something unless it's something that you possess that has value. Why do you lock your car? Why do you lock your house? Because it's a value. You want to protect it. 
You don't want anybody coming in. The enemy is after your faith, and he's after your family. You have to be watchful. Listen, my daughter's 11 years old. When some little boy thinks he's going to like my daughter, he's going to have to meet redneck, Cajun, Pastor Bubba sharpening his knife. I love what Mikey Jardell told me. He said, when a guy comes to him, he's going to throw a bullet at him. And he said, catch. He goes, because if you hurt my daughter, the second one coming a lot quicker than the first one came. (laughs) The scariest thing for me is a boy liking my daughter. I'm telling you, it's not scary, but let me just tell you something. He better be good because I've done invested in my little girl's life. And she knows what it is to be loved, not just in words. Amen? And my sons know how they should treat a woman. But here, you see, the second thing is stand firm in your faith. You got to be strong, but stand firm. Resist him firm in your faith. Knowing the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Be strong in your faith. You know, I believe there's two kinds of movies in life. And what happens is there's the chick flicks. Come on, I'll do There's chick flicks and then there's real movies. Come on, how many you know what I'm talking about? As a man, I love Rambo. I love Gladiator. Who he turns around and goes, I'm Maximus Marillion. The father, of, you know, I mean, the, the husband of so-and-so, the father. I mean, you see it. And then there's Lone Survivor. But then there's my favorite movie in the whole entire world. Go ahead. Freedom! Braveheart. Come on. Come on, y'all give it up for David. He's crazy man. Let's go kill some Englishmen. Yes, yes, yes. There's just something about a man painting his face blue, riding on a horse going, Freedom! And he's with the maiden. Man, come on. Men are made for a couple of things. Men love challenges. Come on. They want an adventure to live and a maiden to win. Come on. I always tell guys, whatever it took to get her, you need to maintain that to keep her. I love when guys come in and go, man, they do marriage counseling. Hey, man. Pastor, I mean, you know, I mean, he's getting close to the day. I said, well, you have a strong, you know, we talk about a lot of things. You have a strong desire to be like intimate with her. And he goes, I can't wait. It's strong. I go, I know. But you know what? She has an even stronger desire. He goes, what? Than you have. What is it? To be listened to. It's that strong? Yes. It's a revelation. Come on, women. How many of you want to be listened to? Okay, four ladies. I gave you your chance, ladies. I'm not giving you another chance. God has called us to be men, to be watchful and fight. Fight for your marriage. Fight for your kids. Fight for your finances. And fight for your purity. You see, A.W. Tozer says it like this. A scared world needs fearless men. We have so many men in our society that are compromisers. 
You look at, look, I don't care what side of the aisle, if you're a Democrat, Republican, Independent, or still trying to figure out what you are. We have an important election coming on, and we don't need people that are going to be compromisers. We need to, peop- we need to have men and some women that are going to represent that have a backbone like a crowbar. We need men that represent and be strong in their faith. Amen? We even need men in this society. You know, we're, we're going we're gonna, to, in Jennings, we're going to be electing a new mayor next year. It's time for us to have a good mayor. I'm not saying Terry's been great, but I'm saying it's, we, we need a God. Wouldn't it be all right to have a godly mayor? And I'm not saying he's not godly, but I'm saying a man of God. You see, here it is. You know what? Men, it, should be, it shouldn't be your wife's responsibility to make sure that everybody goes to church on Sunday and everybody's, and she's waking them up and getting them dressed and getting their hair to stay down. It's your responsibility to get them up. It's your responsibility to be the example. It's your responsibility. Instead of letting your kids sleep in, and, and you know, it's, 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 it, you know it's, just, it's, just, it's a church thing. You know what? I have five sons. And I remember my, my third son, Matt, who's a, who's a, a, a paramedic for Nashville Fire Department in Nashville, Tennessee. And uh, his favorite word for me was no. What do you mean? Because he tested me every way he could to see what defin- the definition of no really meant. Hello? Well, Dad, if you, you Dad, Dad, every angle, no. Dad, Dad no. Now, and I, I look at some, what part of no don't you understand? No means no all the time. Not how much you beg, not how much you squirm, not how much. But see, I believe that you got to be strong. That's the third part. Ephesians says, finally. That means after everything. Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. There was two boys. You know how it is when you're a kid and you're a boy on the playground. My daddy can beat your daddy up. Remember that? My daddy, you know, my daddy. Well, there's two boys that were arguing about, you know, and one said, my dad can beat your dad up. And the other replied, big deal. So can my mom. <laughs> Just trying to wake y'all up. Anyway. The world portrays Jesus as weak. And meek. They make it seem as as being a Christian man, you have to be soft. When I read the Bible and I look at it, I see strong men and I see them follow Jesus. And I love their examples. I love David. I love the story of David and Goliath. Why? Because we know this, that David fought off the bear of despair and just the bear of despair and oppression and depression in his life. We know that he killed a lion, the lion of lust, in his life. But then there was that time when he met in the valley, and there was a Philistine named Goliath. And he started calling out everybody. You know, remember you used to do your mama thing? Your mama. Your mama's so big. She, she uses a driveway to iron her drawers. Your mama. No, I'm not going there. But, but the reality is this, is that what happens is... He, Goliath comes out and he starts calling all of them. He starts saying, your mom's a Hittite, the Jebusite. Your mom's a Hittite. You know what I mean? Just calling them out. And then David, I love what David does. He goes out in the valley and he goes, who is this? I love what he said. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he taunts the armies of the living God? I'm like, how did he know? How did he know? 
But he got up there, and we know that he slung a rock and killed the giant. I love Samson, where he literally took a jawbone of a donkey, and he killed 300 men. I love telling those stories to my kids. I remember one time, my son, Andrew, I told that story to. He's my second son, Tracy and his second son. And I remember I came back from work one day, and I, I go, boys, I found it. And they go, What? I found the jawbone of the donkey that Samson killed the 300 men with. And he was like, oh, it was actually a cow jawbone. And you know the difference? And, and then they had a costume contest. He drilled a hole in it and he wore it around his neck. And you know, this is the jawbone. And they, you know, and I mean, whatever. I, we, we still have the picture somewhere. I've seen it. But it, it's just crazy. But then I love Jonah that he lived in the belly of a well for three days for not listening to God to go to Nineveh and tell them to repent and change their life. We know that he was in that belly for three days and there was acids. If you know, if you ever know anything about the Constitution, you're right, there's acids that eat away at things to help dissolve so you can digest things in your body. So do fish. You imagine after he got projectile vomited up on the shore and he went to Nineveh and he goes, repent. And everybody goes, if we end up looking like that, we all need to repent. We know Paul, shipwrecked, beaten, stoned. Not, not that kind of stone. With rocks, stones, bricks. He was in prison, bitten by snakes. Disciples, all of them were murdered, killed, except John. Oh, by the way, John wasn't killed, but he was boiled in oil and survived. Jesus had a strong side, but he also had a sensitive side. He was the most loving man that ever lived, but also the greatest warrior who ever lived. He played with kids and served women. He stood up for the marginalized and the outcasts. He spoke against the religious. You know, Jesus didn't like religious people. He loved people that just love, that were real. How many love fake people? Anybody like fake people? People that wear masks? People act like something that they're not. No one does. But people love it when people start taking off the mask. And go, this is who I am. Wouldn't it be great if politicians would get up and go, I lied about everything I've ever done. We knew it. But now I want to stand for truth. Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if you took the mask off your marriage? And go, you know what? I haven't treated you right, honey. Your action doesn't even, well, it's about time. You just listen and go, wow. Thanks for being honest. Thanks for being real. You see, he took the greatest battle in history and ultimately bore the cross on his back. And he defeated sin for you and for me. You know why? Because he loves you. I remember being in Bill Platt speaking at a school and a girl came up to me. About a, I was talking about just being a father and she said, Pastor Bob, I, I don't know what it's like to have a loving father. In fact, my father left me one time and my uncle stayed there and he took advantage of me. She was a cheerleader for Bill Platt. And she said, I feel so nasty, Pastor Bob. I said, it wasn't your choice. And I said, God wants to be the father 
that you've always dreamed of having. She just broke. She goes, that's the father I want. You got to pray with her. See, I believe this. No matter where you've been, no matter what's happened, Father God wants to be the father you've always dreamed of wanting. Amen? Amen. Because how many of you know none of us are perfect? Let me ask you, how many of you, let me ask, if your parents, have your kids disappointed you yet? Let me ask you this question. Have you, did you disappoint your parents? You see, football's about getting knocked down and getting up. Adversity is part of the game of who we are as Christians. You accept it, but you don't let it defeat you. Amen. Look at me. All of us got a history. Come on. Anybody got a history here? Okay. But that doesn't have to define you. Because all of a sudden when God comes into your heart and comes into your life and changes you, you're a different person on the inside than you were. You see, you're no greater than the link link that you're connected to like a chain. Oftentimes, the weakest, the weakness we hide or we want to hide is the place where God produces strength in our lives. He wants to show the world what he can do. The last one, number four. Let all you do be done in love. The love that God is calling you to display isn't fully known until life gets messy. How many of life can get messy? Unless someone offends you, you don't need to be patient. <laughs> Unless they offend you. Unless someone wrongs you, you don't need to refuse to keep a list of wrongs. Unless someone annoys you, you don't need to bear all things. Unless someone disappoints you, you don't need to hope for all things. Unless someone hurts you, you don't need to endure all things. I like what Mother Teresa said. I don't do big things. I do small things with big love. Let me just challenge every man in here. We need, look at me. We need you, men. We need you. Your wife needs you. Your kids need you. This area and this region needs you. Loving people means you lay down your life for them. The world truly, I can say the world truly lacks godly fathers. Example. Yeah, my stepfather turned 80 yesterday. And I just went up to him and he's been in my life since I was 10 years old. And all I said, you know, the only word, if there was one word I'd say that you've been to me and many things in my life, it's called example. Example. You know what people are looking for? Examples. That's a godly man. When you mention Billy Graham, people go, wow, man of honor, man of integrity, man of character. It's just who you think that is. You see, the world's looking for men like that. They don't have to be a preacher. They can be a policeman. They can be someone who's a, a leader in their community, in their neighborhood. 
It could be someone that's at the hospital that ministers to people. What area in your life do you see the enemy prowling around? To be watchful. Are you watchful? Are you being watchful? Are you standing firm? I like the analogy that it gives in the Bible in Ephesians where it says, you know, you stand firm. What the, the Roman soldiers used to do, they used to take their sandals and they would, put, they would put nails through their sandals. They called them hobnobs. It was the, the ancient cleats, like what you do in football. And they would put it down in the ground. And when the enemy was coming, because they would stand and they would stand in ready position with their shield, their sword, their spear, their butler. And what they would do... They would stand there because they knew the forces of the enemy were coming. Where are the men that are setting, preparing themselves, ready for battle? You know why I love the Bible? Because the Bible tells me how to be a good man. The Bible tells me how to do finances. The Bible tells me how to love my kids. The Bible tells me what I need to be in community. The Bible tells me what I need to watch out for, what I need to stand firm against, that I have an enemy. And it's not flesh and blood, but it's against spirits and principalities and high places. But the Bible says that we can pull them down. Come on. That we can be a David in the spirit with the giants of our society. We can be a Samson that wipes out more than we thought we could ever do but through the power of God. Someone ought to get excited in here. That God has called you men to be strong. He's called you to be watchful. He's called you to be firm in your faith. Let it all be done in love. Don't do it because you're mad. Do it because you love Jesus. You see, which area do you need to grow in? I'm done. Here's a personal challenge. My greatest desire for all our churches is when people come in and they come, they walk in, they can sense that people are genuine, people that are real. And there's real godly men at our Savior's church. Men of God. Men of God. But that can never happen, men. Look at me. I want to see the whites of your eyes. That can never happen unless you determine in your own heart to be men. A good friend of mine, Greg Ball, who's a black belt, looked at Lawrence Taylor, LT, one day. And he was one of the greatest defensive guys that ever walked. He was played for New York Giants. And he went to LT one day, and LT had a big cross around his neck. And my friend Greg was talking to him, and there was reports that, that Lawrence Taylor had given his life to the Lord. And Greg goes, hey, man, Lawrence, I, LT, I, I heard you gave your life to, to Jesus. And he goes, oh, oh, dude, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm really not into all that. And you got to know my friend Greg. Greg looked at him and he said, if you're all that, he said, why don't you take that cross and swallow it so it can get to your heart? Look at me. Is that mean? No. 
He's his God, bigger than him. But see, we need men that are willing to stand up and go, hey, that's not the way it's going to be. Well, everybody else is doing it. Not my kids. My wife and I ain't going down that trail. My family's not going there. My community, no, no way. Are you hearing me? And that's what I loved about my stepfather. I mean, when I would do something stupid, he'd say, that was stupid. He wasn't politically correct. Me and my brother went out, got drunk one night. Coming in at 5 o'clock in the morning, woke us up at 5.30. We had to go to the country and bale hay, square bales of hay, and lift it up on the trailer. And then, as we were doing that, you're sweating and you're burping. There's nothing like old beer in your gut. Don't act like you know what I'm talking about. You don't know, like... And the whole day, Matt Oren, his name was Oren. Matt Oren, we had all these guys. Man, give them boys a bread. No. We worked all morning through lunch. At the end of the day, the guy that had the farm, he had, he had a wad of 20s. Like, you know, I don't have that. But anyway, he had a wad of 20s. And he's going, he's giving them to everybody that helped. And he's going to give me and my brother each a 20. And my stepfather puts his hand out. And he goes, not for them. I'm like, we didn't take a break. We didn't do, I mean, we worked harder than everybody else out here. Plus, we were miserable. And they looked at us. And he's a bunch of okay. Just, man, he goes, man, Warren, we got to give them something. So they open the lid of the ice chest. And they go, how about a beer, boys? <laughs> they set us up. and go, no, no. We need men that are real. We need men that are fun. And men that are examples. Amen? And all the women said. And listen. And all the women want a husband like that, right? Men. They're just waiting. I love you. And my desire is that God would raise up. Listen. Not just raise up. That you would be. There's one thing about being and there's another thing about doing amen you need to be and do what you know you need to do amen pastor josh and i preached and some of the other guys preached a a message a couple weeks ago and i'm gonna be done it was about why are you here is to know god to grow in god and to glow for god and my question is what are you glowing about how are you glowing how's it going I heard Coach Bill McCartney said, if you want to see the glory of a man, just look at the face of his wife. And then you'll know. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for every man that needs to rise above their circumstances. That needs to be the man that brings strength in his home, to his wife, and to his kids. It's not how big we are, how fast we are, how much money we can make, or what people see success. God, you measure success so differently. Lord, I believe that you bless men that rise up to know you, to love you, and make you known. I pray you would strengthen every man. I pray that this wouldn't be a challenge to just a few, but this would be a challenge to all. 
not just the men, but the women in the house. And Father, I thank you that we can come and we have a country that we're, where men literally laid down their lives through generations, that we could experience the freedom we have, the freedom to be able to express ourselves, the freedom to be able to voice, God, what you're doing in our hearts. But we look around and we see society and how it's changing. And Lord, many of our freedoms are being taken away because men of character have closed their mouths not only their mouths but willing to make a stand God raise up in this house men men that will be godly men that will stand men that will be example raise them up help them not be satisfied with just status quo but help them to be to rise up above their circumstances not all they do pray that in Jesus name and if you're believing for that just say I believe